listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland, Maine, and broadcast on 1310 AM Portland, streaming live each week at 11 AM on WLOBradio.com, and available via podcast on drlisa.org. Thank you for joining us. Here are some highlights from today's show. I think people have finally got it that um, just because we are maybe in a war that is not popular with a certain segment of the society, they're not holding that against the military member. And the outpouring of folks that are willing to come forward and help is great. Folks need to be speaking out in times like these, and especially with an election coming up, it's so important to use your vote as your voice. The media has a, plays a huge role in shaping cultural values, shaping beliefs, shaping norms and ideas about, for example, gender stereotypes, how men are supposed to be, how women are supposed to be, and then when they have relationships, how is that supposed to play out? The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible by the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Tom Shepard of Hersey, Gardner, Shepard & Eaton, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Whole Foods Market, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, and Akari. Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, airing November 6th. This week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, our theme is voice. My co-host Genevieve Morgan and I will be speaking to a broad variety of guests, each giving their opinion on what voice means to them and how best to have one's own voice in this world. Voice is an important topic within my medical practice, and in fact, it is maybe the most important topic. The most important thing that I do as a medical professional is to listen and to enable people to have a voice which may have been lost long before in their lives. A loss of voice which does indeed contribute to physical, emotional, and mental woes. Once people have found this voice, I find that many of their health problems fall away. This week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we begin with a discussion of the importance of voice in soldiers who are returning home from conflicts overseas. Uh, we have a conversation with Major General Bill Libby and Chaplain Andy Gibson of the Maine National Guard. This is followed by a conversation with musician and local event promoter Spencer Alby. We then go into a conversation with Delia Gorham of the League of Young Voters and Carlin Whitehouse of the Young Adult Abuse Prevention Program. Each of these individuals, in their own way, is helping others to create a voice for themselves in this world. We hope this program and all of our Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast programs are doing just that for those who are listening. We are attempting to give a voice to all the people that are on. We are attempting to prompt others who are listening to perhaps think about the importance of their own voice in their own lives. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. Thank you for joining us. Each week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, my co-host and I, Genevieve Morgan, have a conversation which we just this week are starting to call deep dish rather than food and sustenance. Food. I think we were eating something when we came up with that name. I, I think we were actually. I think we burritos were, or something. Right. We were at Bruce's Burritos in Yarmouth and that's a favorite hangout. So, um, so we thought, you know what, we do a lot more than just talk about food on some of these segments and let's call it something different. And you're the creative genius, so this is what you came up with. Well, Deep I wouldn't dish. say that, but I, I, I am good at some marketing terms every now and then. That's good. I like that. Um, this is an interesting deep dish to have because we're talking about voice this week. And one might not necessarily think, oh, well, food, nutrition, nourishment, how are they related to voice? But they kind of are. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, the strength of your voice is how you put action and thought into the world. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And there's a very physical thing that we know that happens in Chinese medicine and even in Ayurvedic Indian medicine um, where they talk about the voice and the throat chakra and your ability to express yourself. And so... Well, I'm actually looking at you right now across the studio and your throat is right in between where your heart is and your head. <gasps> 
Jen, you're a genius. <laughs> I think that that's a very important thing. And then sometimes when people are either sort of too much in their hearts or too much in their heads and they aren't able to marry those two, that that does become kind of an issue that they lose their voice. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And we've talked about, I think, I don't remember how many weeks ago it was now, um, because we have so much fun here on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. And we have so many shows And we do. It's so exciting. This is our own using of our own voices. We entertain ourselves this way. Um, And we hope that we entertain those of you who are listening. We were talking about sort of milk and sort of phlegmy things that cause you to lose your voice. We talked about the throat and cold season tea and other things that you could do to, to keep your voice going during the cold season. So we thought... Let's talk about something kind of related to that. Well, I know it's important for you, Lisa, because you actually have a singing career. I don't know how many of of your fans and listeners know this, but Lisa sings, um, actually sings extremely well. And I know because I used to act and I used to do a little singing myself that you have to really prepare your throat when you want. There's one thing to talk and then there's a whole other thing when you're trying to project and sing. So what do you do? What do I do? Well, One of the things that's very important is, um, this is, and this has been known for a long time, is the importance of warmth and keeping your throat warm. And I know this as far as not only singing, but also digesting. I I teach this in the Dragon's Way Qigong class. I talk to my patients about it. In this country, it's so weird that we're always about the ice water. You know, let's have some ice water with our meal. Let's have our ice water, you know, to cool us down. I know, even when it's, you know, 20 below, we want ice water. Right, we want ice water. <laughs> and that's actually a kind of, it doesn't really make sense. We need to keep things nice and warm. We need to keep our throats warm and our stomachs warm so that we can digest. So I will often start my meals, and this is whether I'm going to sing or not, but um, I'll start my meals with something warm. So I at least have room temperature water, but I also will sometimes have tea, Mm. which is one of the things that we thought we might talk about today. Well, and actually, if you go to a Chinese restaurant or a Japanese restaurant, they often serve you tea. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And tea does have very interesting um, and unique health benefits. It's more and more we're finding the benefits of tea. And the reason why it's so interesting to me is because if you think about what tea is or uh, tisane, I think that's how you pronounce it, T-I-S-A-N-E, um, which is an herbal preparation and not the Camilla sinensis leaf, which is actually tea. These are all sort of condensed plants. So tea is all the healthiest things about plants kind of condensed down, down and then you reconstitute them with a little water and it's like a little magical potion. Mm, yes. And an ancient, an ancient cure, actually. Yes. And we use this a lot in Chinese medicine. We use a lot of um, teas to, uh, to help people heal, but they also use it in Ayurvedic medicine. And we know that it, it's becoming more and more uh, used when, as people go back to herbal preparations. If you go to like the Whole Foods Market, which sponsors our locally grown food segment, there's an entire section full of teas. So it can have many different benefits. Which can also be sort of confusing when, you, when you're shopping, you know, right. to figure out what, what's right for you and what you need. Mm-hmm. And there are, and it's important to know that there there is a broad range of teas that are available that are um, herbal preparations, and they're not uh, without their side effects. So there is valerian tea, which can be good for sleep. Um, there's tea that has hops in it, which is also good for sleep. But if you're going to use an herbal preparation, then you probably want to do a little research ahead of time, and hopefully you have a practitioner who has some knowledge of herbs that can help you out with this. So that you're that, that's right. And if you're on medication, sometimes you really need to check with your practitioner to make sure that the herb that you're drinking doesn't counteract or maybe maybe it's a mixture of herbs. Yes, and that, and it's something that you might not intuitively know. So if you have access to something like the Natural Medicines Comprehensive Database, you know, you can go and you can go look at that. Um, if you have a naturopathic physician, we had Dr. Richard Maurer here a few weeks ago, and he has a good knowledge of teas. Uh, we'll have Deb Sewell of Avena Botanicals coming up um, in later in a later show. So find somebody that knows something about these herbal preparations. Don't just jump in. Well, I think what's interesting about what you're saying is that they really, they have power. I think when people think about tea, they think about a diluted drink. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that it's actually an incredibly powerful thing to do for yourself is to drink tea. Right. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. So this is all we've been talking about, medicinal teas. And you asked me, what do you do to prepare for singing? Well, what I do to prepare for singing is kind of what I do in my normal routine, which is I I actually drink a fair amount of tea. I tend toward green tea, and green tea is known for a lot of things. It's about mid-range as far as caffeine content is concerned, but it does have caffeine. So 
green tea has antioxidant properties and it's been shown to be good for cancer prevention and um, also good for heart disease and maybe even some lipid lowering, some cholesterol lowering properties. Um, if you're thinking about your, your green tea, it's halfway between kind of black tea and white tea. And then there's of course decaf tea, but green tea is about middle range as far as caffeine content is concerned. Um, your black tea is your oolong tea, uh, Earl Grey, which has a little bit of um, bergamot oil in it. Um, My kid's favorite is English breakfast. English breakfast, absolutely. So those are all your black teas. And they have to do with the way that the tea is actually prepared, the way it's uh, you know, oxidized. And then, so the, the, that's black tea, and that has the most caffeine content, not as much as... Um, as coffee. And the reason I talk about caffeine is because that, again, just like the herbs that we've been talking about, has an impact on the body. So it's just important to know if you're going to be drinking tea, how much caffeine does it have in it? And where do you want to place it in the course of your day? And how it works for you. And how it works for you. So black tea has the most amount of caffeine, green tea, not as much. And then white tea, which we don't know as much about, we don't use as much in this um, country, but I love white tea. It's a beautiful... Um, light tea that you can have sort of mid-afternoon uh, comes in different there's a silver needle tea that um, comes loosely formed that it, it's just a and again it has antioxidant properties it's it's a good thing to have in the middle of the afternoon that's I sort of if I'm if I'm looking at the teas over the course of my day whether I'm singing or not start with black in the morning green sort of throughout to mid-afternoon and then if I'm going to have if I want something lightly caffeinated I'll go with a little white tea what about lemon let me quickly ask well, we've, I think we talked about lemon and um, well, cayenne. Just for your throat. Yeah. yeah, lemon and cayenne as a cold sort of preventive in a past segment. We've talked about that. So it's, it really just depends on sort of what you need in your, if you need that sort of astringent, if you're trying to fight off some flumminess, if it's, it's not a bad thing to have. In your tea. In your, yes, <laughs> right. In your tea. That's right. So those of you who are interested, you can find cold season tea. You can find locally grown honey. You can find other teas down at the Whole Foods. Um, you can find out more about tea on our drlisa.org website. And um, hopefully having a little bit of this tea will help you to find your voice, whether it's singing or otherwise. Well, Jan, it's been fun to talk to you, as always. I love having our guests on, but I also love just hanging out doing the deep dish with you i know it's a nice chance for us to catch up we've got so much to talk about every day i know we always run out of time on this segment but we we'll do. talk about it more next week this segment has been brought to you by whole foods market and for more information on our hosts production team main magazine or any of the guests featured here today please visit us online at drlisa.org Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belisle, and this morning we're privileged to have with us two special guests from the military. This is a new thing for us on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast. So Genevieve Morgan, my co-host, and I are very happy to have you both here. Good morning, General Libby, and also Andy Gibson. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. And should I call you Chaplain Gibson? What's your official title? Chaplain Gibson. If you'd like to call me Andy, that's I'm just as comfortable with that. All right. Well, I'm going to read a little background on you because this is it's interesting to me. Um, well, so we'll start with you, Chaplain Andy. You are the Director of Deployment, Cycle Support, and Maine Military and Community Services. You've been in the military for 24 years and received your Master of Divinity from the Bangor Theological Seminary 19 years ago. You're ordained in the National Association of Congregational Christian Churches. And what's really interesting to me, because I have siblings who have also been overseas, you were deployed in both Bosnia and Afghanistan. That's correct. It's, uh, it's been a, a great career, and a, I've, I've really enjoyed the, the work that I've been able to do. And I thank you for it. I mean, having, having siblings go overseas, it, it really is very meaningful to be sitting here with somebody who's been overseas. So I, I know that and Genevieve also feels the same way, I think. Oh, absolutely, I do. I do. And General Libby, you're just as impressive, actually. Um, you're officially the, a major general, is that correct? Yes. Major general. Major General Libby, assumed your, you assumed your duties as the adjutant general of the Maine National Guard on January 15, 2004. And during your tenure, the Maine National Guard has been continually involved in operations in Iraq, Afghanistan, and more recently, Libya. You're responsible for mobilizing, deploying, and returning units from war, but your emphasis has been on the reintegration of Maine National Guard members back into their civilian lives and families. What's more interesting to me is that you also served in Vietnam. This is the reason that we decided to come you, have you come in today. We're talking about voice, and as you know, my father is in the Maine Air National Guard. I think both of you have worked with him as Dr. Charles Belisle. I don't know exactly what his 
General Libby, do you know his actual military title? Oh, yes. Tell us his rank. Yeah. Can you, is he a colonel or something? I'd rather tell you some stories about <laughs> okay, all right. from back in Orono, but. Uh. Okay. Well, we know, okay, you were just actually saying earlier today that you played football with my father at the University of Maine. But you know him now as a family physician serving in the Maine Air National Guard. And the reason that we were interested in having you come in was because I had a conversation with him about how people are impacted when they serve overseas and how their families are impacted, short-term and long-term. And he said, this is a really important topic for you to discuss because sometimes people feel as if they don't have a voice upon returning. And you suggest, and I know that you have suggested that this is so. People don't necessarily know who they can talk to or what they should be saying or when they should be asking for help. Um, well, and I imagine their experiences are so different from the civilians who are here um, that coming back and having all of these stories that they may or may not want to tell, figuring out what to tell, what to say, when to say it can be very challenging. So. Yeah, there's no question about that. And we all react to our experiences differently uh, and, uh, and, and therefore have different needs when they come back. And uh, what Andy's all about and what I'm all about, and frankly, my focus comes from my experience in Vietnam. When I returned from Vietnam in 1969, uh, my service was not embraced, it wasn't appreciated, and that was a, that's a statement of who we were as a nation at that time, uh, at the end of a very unpopular war. We, uh, we went to Starbucks across the street this morning and could not pay for our coffee. So the military is seen differently now, so at some level it is easier for people to, to get the help that they want, but as I was sharing with Lisa, we, we are all Mainers, and we're stubborn, and we don't ask for help, and that's part of my challenge is to convince people that I returned from 19 from Vietnam in 1969, uh, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. I sought help. Uh, I was changed by my experience, not clinically diagnosable, perhaps. Uh, my wife would confirm what I'm telling you, uh, but it, it was not an impediment to my being successful in my chosen career. And I feel I'm more resilient than I was. So I like to talk about post-traumatic stress growth, uh, which a lot of people experience. But part of our challenge is convincing people, uh, their families, their loved ones, and their employers that help is available. All you got to do is ask. Right. You have to. You actually have to speak up. Although you were telling me that there is a pretty um, significant process when somebody goes overseas and comes back. You have an. Well, can you tell me about this? Tell me what that looks like. Well, Maine's actually, we've got our own program. There are programs that are sponsored federally, and then there's stuff that we do here for our folks. Uh, one of which, in particular, is that right when they get off the plane from their mobilization station, wherever that might be in the United States, we have a one-day demobilization um, reverse check where we, they go to different stations, and part of those stations is finding about all the benefits that are available to them. Um, then the more formalized program at 30, 60, and 90 days is called the Yellow Ribbon, and that is, uh, that is uh, congressionally funded. And at that, again, they see a lot of the benefits, a lot of the things that are available, a lot of the formal and informal folks that are out there that are willing to support them. Their families are invited to these things, and so we find a lot of times that the military member is still kind of in a little bit of a daze uh, after they've come back. It's not a behavioral health issue. It's just a natural re reintegration uh, emotional uh, experience. And so a lot of times the family member, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a parent, maybe even a brother, sister, or even kids, sometimes even a friend, can better understand the benefits that are available and better explain to that, that military member what's, what's going on. Oh, by the way, we also do this before they leave. And we also have uh, several sessions for the families while the military member is gone. So all through its, its support, and that's why it's called deployment cycle support, is because the whole cycle is getting ready for war, actually participating in war, and then reintegrating from war. And every single service member in Maine is in one of those zones, one of those parts of the cycle. I think it's really important to remember that we really are in war. I mean, this is this is very, I think this is a significant challenge. And I'm glad that when you went to Starbucks, people wouldn't pay for your coffee because that's sort of the least wouldn't let you pay wouldn't well right wouldn't let you pay sorry but you know but that does seem I, my mother when my I had three siblings that were all overseas and she had her three blue stars in the door and for people who are in the military they know what that means but there's a lot of people who don't know what that means and and, and I was talking with Genevieve about this yesterday that it's almost as if there's this something going on somewhere else but we can be completely 
it can be completely abstract, and we're not remembering that there are violent, violent things that continue to go on overseas. Yeah, and it becomes more difficult for the general public to comprehend as time goes on. We've been at this a decade, which is hard to believe. Uh, I remember where I was, as you do, on 9-11, and I remember realizing uh, that something uh, significant was about to happen to the National Guard. I never believed on that day that a decade later we'd still be at this, and we are. Uh, but uh, And in uh, fact, it's become more complicated in some ways in terms of, exactly. of, of our involvement, more t- entangled in different areas. and But as a nation, we've got uh, a short attention span, yes. and I think the average public has just lost sight of the fact that we've still got men and women deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan from the main National Guard as we speak this morning with an awful lot of units scheduled to head off after the first of the year. Uh, and I think we've lost sight of that at some level, and that's understandable. But the thing that I notice that's still significant in my mind uh, is, as a nation, we've come a long way from where we were in the late 60s and early 70s, holding guys and gals who have simply uh, agreed to support and defend the Constitution responsible for what's going on in those places. We don't have a vote in where we go. Senator Snow, Senator Collins have a vote in where we go, but we don't have a vote. We go where this nation sends us, and as a nation, we've come to realize that. So, consequently, I can walk into Starbucks on a uh, on a morning in Portland, Maine, and not be able to pay for my coffee, and uh, and frankly, that tickles me. <laughs> can I ask a question um, of either of you? But I'm I'm wondering um, the process that you when you enlist and you become a soldier, that kind of training is about toughening you up. So I can imagine that when you come home and you're trying to figure out what's going on, you may or may not know that you need help. But if I'm the wife or spouse or partner or mother of a soldier and I'm seeing that that soldier or veteran needs help and maybe I'm the one that that is recognizing that but they aren't, how do I go about finding you and figuring out how to get that person into, into your services? Well, actually, our services are available to anybody, whether it be the military member, a dependent, a friend, a parent, a child. And actually, the phone number, one 365 9287 or our website, mainmcn.org. Uh, either one of those places, uh, family members, friends, can find all of those that information that's available. And so you can go and say, "Well, I'm worried about my husband. He's not. He's not really acting right, or I, you know, he has all these dreams, or whatever it is that they are thinking about." They can go, and then everything kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one important uh, group that Andy didn't mention are employers, because we see uh, our individual soldiers once they're back, one week in a month, and a couple of weeks for annual training a year. Uh, the spouses, the family, the loved ones, and the employers see them on a daily basis, they're the ones more likely to recognize that we've got a soldier in crisis or a soldier with needs, and uh, uh, they're the ones who are likely to refer them. Our, our main military and community service is indeed a network, and it involves not only state entities, but also employers and also family members, also a lot of behavioral health folks that are on the civilian side that have said they would step forward and help, um, sometimes at no cost, sometimes at on a sliding scale. So it really is quite a large group of people, and you know the general was just referring to how much things have changed. I think people have finally got it that um, just because we are maybe in a war that is not popular with a certain segment of the society, they're not holding that against the military member. And the outpouring of folks that are willing to come forward and help is great. The problem is, as you just mentioned, is the service member or the family member or the employer or anyone else with whom this person is associated knowing where that stuff is. And that's why we've created this um, uh, this website. That's why we've created this 888 number. We have a Facebook page. Uh, hopefully someday we're going to have a Twitter page. Uh, the whole idea is, and just to keep the theme, is to give these folks a voice and to hear what other voices are out there to support them. We'll return to our interview after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Akari, an urban sanctuary of beauty, wellness, and style, located on Middle Street in Portland, Maine's Old Port. Follow them on Facebook or go to akaribeauty.com to learn more about their new boutique and medispa. And by Robin Hodgkin, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor 
at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney in Portland, Maine. For all your investment needs, call Robin Hodgkin at 207-771-0888. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. And I, I'm so I'm struck by again, it's the this theme of voice, but also connectivity on lots of different levels. I mean, we have General Libby who's connecting with people and brotherhood, and you. I, it sounds like the same, but you're also connecting people with, from a faith standpoint. And you handed me this information on your organization, and you you are helping people with substance abuse. You're helping people with legal problems. You're helping people. I mean, it's it really is this very broad network that you've created of support. You are trying to connect people with what they need. Is that a fair statement? Uh, absolutely. Um, we, and it's wonderful having uh, General Libby and actually the previous governor and the current governor have all bought into the concept that a person is not full and well until all of the parts of their life have been met. So that means that if you're not working and you want to be, it means if you do have a behavioral health issue, it means if you do have a substance abuse issue, it means that if for some reason you can't get your wood in while your soldier's deployed, if it means that you can't have certain basic needs met, um, either through yourself or through your own work, that person is not, not fully uh, actualized. And so if you want to talk about a voice, that it does take away from that person's voice. And so what we try to do is approach each individual as part of a system within a, some sort of a family or a relationship, but also an internal system to themselves, that all the aspects within their life need nurturing and need help. Now, we can't provide all of that for everybody, but our job is to try to find the people who can and connect them to the service member of the family and the veteran. I have an 18-year-old. He's, you know, he's in Guatemala. He's in a different country now, and uh, he has all of these uncles and his grandfather and his great, you know, he has all of these people in his life who have been in the military. I don't know if he will end up in the military at this point, but I'm struck by the fact that when you start in the military, you could potentially be as young as 17. This is what I believe I understand, that you could sign up when you're 17, go to basic training before you begin your last year of high school or before you turn 18, and then join the military. And that's very young. So you're actually raising not only our sons, but our daughters from, from their early adulthood. That's a pretty big responsibility. Yes, it is. And uh, it's, a, it's a responsibility that, you know, frankly, I and I think most of my staff embrace. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's all about service. I, I had three sons, none of whom served. Uh, and I'm convinced they didn't serve because they didn't experience what I experienced listening to my father recount his experiences. They didn't hear about the brotherhood from me because I didn't talk about the brotherhood. They knew what I did. Uh, they appreciated and embraced what I did, uh, but uh, they weren't mentored by me because of my experiences uh, in Vietnam uh, as my father mentored me without knowing it towards service. Now, they're all involved in service, and uh, I tell people this all the time. When my father died, they wrote in his obituary, he served his community, his state, and his nation. And uh, that's a theme that's always played out at our house. If they can say that about me when I'm gone, and if they can say that to, about my sons when they're gone, then they're saying an awful lot. And it's really all about service. Uh, so you're raising the, our sons and our daughters to be of service, whether it's to you know a family, community, larger sense. This is what you see. Absolutely, your and the guards job involved in so many things in the community, whether it's building a ball field in Yarmouth. Uh, during an annual training period, whether it's the drug demand reduction program that's funded at the national level, where our uh, soldiers go into uh, junior high schools and, and talk about uh, the evils of drugs and uh, do team building exercises. The great thing about the Guard is we're community-based and they've given us programs that allow us to give back in the community. So that's part of what we're dragging your sons and daughters into, is not only service to the nation, but service to their state and service to their community. Well, and speaking of service, how can we as Mainers and members of the community support or help members of the military and their families this holiday season? Is there anything that we can do to help either support you and your services, or just are there programs out there um, that can offer help and aid? 
Well, that uh, same number that I gave you earlier in that same website, uh, both will give you the opportunity to volunteer uh, in whatever capacity that you'd like to. It may be just that you just want to do general yard work or something like that for someone who's deployed. Right now, we are kind of at a low in terms of Mainers that are deployed from, from the state. Uh, we have roughly uh, 100 and so, 150 Marines that are over. We Our Air Guard folks uh, go in and out, and that's a much less visible uh, type of deployment because they go for many short-term deployments. In the long run, that ends up being just as disruptive as the single long-term ones that the Army tends to do, largely because there's such disruption in the household. I mean, they're coming home, then they're going away for four months, and they're coming home for half a year, then they're back over for three months. And, then, and so there's different types of disruption, but it's, but it's just as impacting. So what I would say would be is become aware of the military folks that are around you. Uh, certainly thank them for their service offer uh, specific things. If you just say, uh, anytime you need me, give me a call. As the general said, we're stubborn Mainers. No one's going to call you. But if you do say, hey, look, I'd be willing to take your kids for a night if you need a break. Um, if you want to, uh, if I, I noticed that you're you got some leaves out in your front lawn. Let me let me rake those up for you so that you don't have to worry about that. Offer specific things because if you offer specific things, um, then you're much more likely to be able to reach out and help. And, and I got to say that the people of Maine, the uh, three administrations that I've worked for, the legislature have been magnificent in their recognition of the service and sacrifice of these part-time guys and gals that we've got in the organization. Uh, you're always at risk when you mention someone because you don't mention everyone, but it's the it's the acknowledgement of what we do. Uh, the free coffee at Starbucks in the morning, uh, the Portland Pirates on the 12th Military Appreciation Night, those little gestures that simply say, we understand your service, we appreciate your sacrifice and the sacrifice of your families, and let me recognize you uh, in some tangible way. Uh, something that was missing in this nation in the late 60s and early 70s, but is clearly present today. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you for serving and I'll just start that again. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today and also for continuing to serve not only our country but well, our communities. It's it's you're doing a you're doing great work. We really appreciate all that you do and um, we send our thanks out to all of the military during this holiday season. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you. This week, like every week, we spend time with Genevieve Morgan and enable her to have her special guest on as part of Maine Magazine Minutes. Thanks for returning, Genevieve. Thanks, Lisa. And uh, today I have a wonderful guest and a pillar of the music scene in Portland. His name is Spencer Albee. Uh, he's been in a number of bands, including the Rustic Overtones, as fast as... He had a band called Spencer and the School Spirit Mafia, and most recently, one of my favorite bands, Space vs. Speed. So welcome, Spencer. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Very good. Well, you know, today's show is about voice, and you are a singer and a songwriter and a musician, and you also give plenty of opportunity for other bands in Portland to have their voice. So did you come to music through singing, like singing along to records, or did you come through <clears> playing an instrument and then adding your voice? Because you've been the frontsman for a lot of bands, and you've been the singer yeah i mean that i don't know that's a good question uh piano happened and i mean singing because it's it's the instrument that you carry around all the time Your everyone, voice. yeah everyone has one everybody if i mean if you can speak you know you have a voice yeah and everyone can sing and you also like we said give give opportunity to other bands tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in the event promotion and art support support areas um well, I have a weekly event called Clash of the Titans, which is currently in its 10th season, I think, and it's at Port City Music Hall every Wednesday. It's <laughs> the prize thing is for the crowd. The musicians just to get together and have fun, and um, but it's been doing great. Um, and this experience has led you to start a new, or well, not new, but relatively new venture called Paper Empire. Yeah. Can you describe more about Paper Empire? I mean, it, it is new, I think, because um, it was started a couple of years ago. My neighbor and I, and good friend Alex Creekhouse were like on the like on our stoop, and he was asking me. But he was leaving Wall Street as I was like leaving the music business in a way, just being like oh, I just I couldn't figure it out. Like no one's buying CDs, and just the, my whole industry. I kind of like 
uh, equate being a musician these days to like being an old wooden shipbuilder when and then you're standing there in the harbor and the iron the iron boats come in the steel boats come in and you're like oh I'm out of a job now like mm. you know, yeah it's <clears throat> just but you but you've you've actually you're not out of a job as far as I can well, tell no, you no but yeah. you have to figure we have to figure out how to like this is going to sound really corny and I apologize for any artist that's listening right now but you have to figure out how to re monetize it because mm-hmm. the old model is just dead you know, people aren't there. There's no more huge record deal. There's no Fleetwood Mac. You know, there's no Beatles. There's nothing like that. So there won't be any one song that's on all the radio stations. Like all, you know, radio now is like mostly just pop. Yeah. Um, most new music is discovered on a, on a mass national scale by like American Idol and The Voice and things like that. Right. But you've created these cla- the Clash of the Bands and yeah, the, the Battle of the Battle of the Bands, Battle of the Music People. To, and you've created what I think is so <laughs> see, no one yeah. can remember it. <laughs> I was gonna say Clash of the it is it's good as Clash of the Titans, right? Yeah, which but, I didn't um, make up, so it's okay. But but you've created a, a venue where people can have live experience with music, which is a, a way <clears throat> something that will, won't ever die. I mean, it is a way that no people no can people have always yeah, yeah people will always want to see music. I mean the Clash Clash of the Titans is, um, I've, I've gotten some heat for it actually from the uh, from the music community, or more like the indie music review community, um, because it's not an original music series, using my quote fingers again, Yeah. you know, because it's covers, but like, that's why we do it on a Wednesday and a Tuesday. We, do, we stay out of the way of a night where you should actually go see an original band play their real music, and yeah. we, we party down on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We'll return to the main magazine minutes after acknowledging the following generous sponsor, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, maker of Dr. John's Brainola cereal. Find them on the web at orthopedicspecialistsme.com. And for more information on our hosts, production team, main magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us online at drlisa.org. But I think what you're doing is actually really inspirational because you have chosen a hard field mm-hmm. to succeed in monetarily. Mm-hmm. You have done a number of different things and you're keeping it alive. And you are actually, through these different ventures like Paper Empire, Clash mm-hmm. of the Titans, other event promotion, you are actually out there creatively and um, entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurially? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering, uh, for s- some of our listeners out there who are growing up in Maine and who are musicians mm-hmm. or who are artists, who, visual artists or literary artists, who want to feel like there's a future for them in the arts, you are actually giving them an avenue for their voice. I mean, what, do you have any advice for them? Do you have any well, counsel? I guess... I think you know. I, I was. Compl- I don't want to sound like I was complaining earlier, just like because the industry changed, and like I said, and you know, people stopped like buying music. That's just what happened. Um, so I think like gone are the days of like get a record deal, be famous, millions of dollars. But if you think of it along the lines of like you are a plumber, or you bake pizza or something, it's a job. If you work at it, I think that you know you can make a living at it. Um, maybe you won't get like a landslide fortune, which I've always been fine with. Like I'm, I'm fine to like go to work, do my bit, hopefully get paid at the end of the day, and just make a living doing it. If I can make a living um, playing music, I think like like anybody, if you can make a living doing what you love, then you don't really need a lot of money. So Spencer, I know that you're always cooking up something new because that's just who you are. What what's on the what's on the horizon? We have a few. Uh, like I, we mentioned the Clash earlier. And we kind of mentioned Paper Empire. I didn't really do a good job explaining what it is. But well, it's you kind can of like, do that now. Well, it's like a, it's like a um, we ended up creating a company that was a, kind of a promotions company for music and uh, <clears throat> political events, I guess. Great. Well, that's very apropos of Election Day coming around yeah, the corner. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so we have a benefit coming up um, for the League of Young Voters because we're impressed by them. And we're going to be speaking with them next. Well, so Good people. Good connection. They're doing yeah. good work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Clash of the Titans is the last one of the season. It runs through December, but the last one is going to be Sesame Street versus the Muppets, which is going to benefit a local children's charity. Not sure just one, just which one yet, but um, but I've had I've had so many people reach out to me. Like usually, like I'll put up you know Van Halen versus Ozzy Osbourne and be like, yo, I'll, I'll sing. But this was like 
I mean, my inbox was flooded with musicians and musicians' parents who wanted to make, you know, moms who wanted to make costumes for us. <laughs> and so, it's, you know, so it's not going to be so much of a battle as, as just like a celebration of that music. So that's what's new in terms of your events promotion, but mm-hmm. does Spencer Albee have any new music or new gigs coming up? I do. I actually have been in the studio with my good friend and producer, John Wyman, um, who's a great recording engineer. So we've just um, done a batch of new songs and I'm putting out for the first time, none of my music has been available online. You mentioned all the bands I was in, like started in 2000 with the Pop Sicko, which is kind of like an accident record. Like I wasn't the singer of Rustic Overtones, but I still wrote songs and sang. So I put out a record. <clears throat> um, and it went up through Rocktopus as fast as a number of records from each of those bands. So for the first time, I'm going to put that out um, on iTunes and Amazon, like all the online. Oh, great, under your own name. Yeah, well, I just, yeah. To, so, to so if we want to look for it, it'll be Spencer Albee on Aldi. iTunes and yep. search. Great. And then you can get all the different records. So okay. it's like 150 songs. Was, wow, yeah. that's impressive. Well, Spencer, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us today. It's always interesting to hear what you're doing. And as a community, we need to be really thankful to you for not only sharing your very impressive and beautiful voice and writing skills in your own music, but allowing us uh, access to all these great bands. And what an exciting night. Clash of the Titans, Muppets and Sesame Street. Yeah, it'll be fun. Among many others. For so. charity. For the for kids. Charity. For the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For the kids. Thanks a lot for coming <laughs> thanks in. Thanks for having me. Spencer Albee and his band, the School Spirit Mafia, were profiled in an article last year in the Maine Magazine. Download it at themainemag.com. The November-December 2011 issue of Maine Magazine is currently available at your local newsstand. Each week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we read from the book Our Daily Tread. Our Daily Tread was created in honor of my late college classmate, Hanley Dunning, to benefit her organization, Safe Passage, which is based near the Guatemala City dump and educates children whose families must work in that dump. To learn more about Safe Passage, visit safepassage.org. To learn about our special holiday promotion of Our Daily Tread, visit islandportpress.com. Our quote this week comes from Nelson Mandela, a man who most assuredly has kept his voice strong despite the difficulties that he has encountered in his life. A man who takes away another man's freedom is a prisoner of hatred. He is locked behind the bars of prejudice and narrow-mindedness. I am not truly free if I am taking away someone else's freedom, just as surely as I am not free when my freedom is taken from me. The oppressed and the oppressor alike are robbed of their humanity. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Thomas Shepard of Hersey Gardner Shepard & Eaton, an Ameriprise Platinum Financial Services practice in Yarmouth, Maine. Dreams can come true when you take the time to invest in yourself. Learn more at AmeriprizeAdvisors.com and by Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Each week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we feature a segment we call Give Back in recognition of the fact that health is more than just an individual pursuit. It is indeed about the family, the community, and the world at large. And we hope that by showcasing some of the people who are helping us to give back, we enable people to make connections with that aspect of wellness in our world. This show's theme is voice. And appropriately enough, we have a woman from the League of Young Voters here in Maine because we have an upcoming election day. So welcome, Delia. Thank you so much. Hi, Delia. Uh, Genevieve and I are very happy to have you here, and I'm reading your very impressive um, bio, which is all the more impressive because let me start with the fact that you were born and raised in the smallest town in Maine, Randolph, which yes. you told me is up in central Maine, central right outside Maine. Augusta. Mm-hmm. So you started there. You're the program director now for the League of Young Voters. And according to this, you've been fighting the good fights since you started marching on picket lines during the 87 strike in Jay. 
Growing up in the lab labor movement and seeing the struggle firsthand, it was no surprise that you opted to attend college in the liberal enclave of Northampton, Mass., where you double ma majored in government and American studies at Smith College. I love this. Degree in hand, Delia turned right around and headed home to Maine where she started organizing on various campaigns and causes, from the 2008 and 2010 electoral cycles to pushing for comprehensive clean energy reform on the federal level to fighting for workers' rights in the Maine State House. Delia has been mobilizing communities across the state to actively participate in the democratic process. So you are, you're an impressive woman. <laughs> Thank you. It's great with, to have you with a strong voice. Clearly, yes, you do have a strong voice, Hi. and you want to have you want to enable other people to have a strong voice as well. Absolutely. I mean, the League of Young Voters' mission is to really try and make politics relevant and accessible to young people, and we're a member-driven organization, so we're kind of in this luxury spot of being multi-issue and getting to see what the people in the community are focusing on and what's impacting them. So, yeah, we don't have a litmus test for, um, you know, you have to believe in these issues to be on our side. Obviously, we advocate for certain things, um, especially with an election coming up. But being member driven, um, you know, we hear from the community about what to work on. And it's kind of great. So it's almost like being the reverse program director in a way. Um, or my members tell me what we need to be doing. And it's exciting to go out there and amplify their message and what they need to take away from what's going on right now. So yeah, um, you end up working on a lot of different things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. What kind of information does the league provide and who are you really targeting in terms of your members? Our membership um, is open to everybody, but we like to focus on folks that are 18 to 35 years old to really try and um, get them into participating in the political process. And, you know, it's not just elections, it's everything that's going on in our community here. So we want to make sure that um, they're turned off by the process, that they have the tools to understand how they fit into it. And, um, you know, really focusing on the younger crowd is, is important if we're going to have strong community leaders later on in life. Um, so that's a big focus for us in trying to, you know, get folks out there. And um, this fall, we've been doing a lot of work trying to educate the public on ranked choice voting. We've got a great program called Portland 101 that uh, really dives into the heart of how our city runs. Because we're electing a mayor for the first time, isn't that right? Yeah. First time, and I believe it's almost 88 years. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal, especially with 15 candidates in the race. Um, we have a fabulous elections committee made up of six members from here in Portland that for months on end had been studying and interviewing these candidates to really dive into exactly what they stood for, what they wanted to see happen with this new position. Um, and so they're trying to really provide some great info to the community on this because I've talked to a lot of people this fall who are like, there are just so many people, I don't know where to start researching, um, which is great that we have our fall voter guide out now so folks can check out all the different mayoral positions. We also included everything else that's going on the ballot this year from city council to the yes on one race or question one, I should say. Where, where can people find this information? Uh, we have them out at local businesses and different uh, nonprofits across town. You can also get in touch with us directly at our office over on High Street. Uh, we're in the State Theater building in Suite 302. Anyone that wants to drop by can get one. Um, but hopefully they should be able to find one pretty easily. Uh, and we'll also have them at the polls on Election Day. So that'll be the, the last minute grab to to see what folks had to say about all the different issues and candidates. Well, it's election day on Tuesday. Today yes. is Sunday. That leaves tomorrow. Can people still register to vote tomorrow? People can actually still register on the same day because we got this issue on the ballot. It suspended the repeal uh, from going into effect. So as long as you have the proper ID or a utility bill or something with your address on it, you can still go to your polling place on election day and register right before you cast your vote. Uh, if your town hall is open, if you're lucky enough to have it open on the weekend or on a Monday, mine is not open on Monday usually, um, you are 
allowed to go in and register still. You just can't submit an absentee ballot two days before, two business days before election day. So um, that's the good news about this season is if you haven't registered yet, there's absolutely still time and you should make sure to do it even if it's right before you vote. How can people find out more about your organization? They should go online and check us out on Facebook at the Maine League of Young Voters and definitely go to our website, which is maine.theleague.com. We try and update it every single day and really encourage folks to send us information that they want to see getting out there. So that would be the perfect place to start. And um, you should come to some of our events in the future and learn about it in person because that's the most fun. We encourage people to do that, and thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today, Delia. You're doing great work, and we hope that you'll keep it up. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate being here. Today on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we have the unique opportunity to speak with a second Give Back guest, and that would be Carlin Whitehouse, who is a youth educator with the Young Adult Abuse Prevention Program with Family Crisis Services, and that is here in Portland. Thank you for coming in. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. One of the reasons I'm interested in having you just spend a few minutes with us is because I know you have an upcoming event that you were very excited to tell us about. Wednesday, November 9th at USM Portland, the Lee Auditorium. We are going to be screening for the, I believe, the very first time in Maine, actually, um, a, a documentary called Misrepresentation. Um, you may recognize it's been on the O network or Oprah's network recently, but we're going to be screening it in its entirety, no edits, um, and and we've had this full support of the director and and the producers to to screen it here in Maine. They're really excited for us, and and we're excited too. How is this film going to help us to understand the notion of preventing abuse? Hmm. It's it's interesting. We're we're always educating people about healthy relationships, um, and. Recently, in the, within the last bunch of years, we've really come to understand that the media has a, plays a huge role in shaping cultural values, shaping beliefs, shaping norms and ideas about, for example, gender stereotypes, how men are supposed to be, how women are supposed to be, and then when they have relationships, how is that supposed to play out? So this movie specifically talks about how women are portrayed in mass media, how women are sexualized, how women are objectified, and how this can affect a young woman's mind when um, actually studies have been done where kids around 9, 10 years old, they're asked what they want to be when they grow up. Well, there's very similar answers for both boys and girls at that age. Um, then as they get a few years older, 13, 12, 13, 14, things start to really shift all of a sudden. The boys are the ones that want the, the powerful um, you know, jobs and, and the girls start talking about wanting to be actresses and, and models. And these are, the, these are the kinds of things that shape our worlds where the messages are, this is how a woman gains power by displaying more skin, by acting a certain way, by being that sexy, coquettish flirt, and those are the only options. So there's a, there's a huge double standard. I think we all know that. This, this film uh, really delineates it, points out some specific examples, and interviews a lot of really famous women who've struggled through, through their own, you know, dealing with their own identity and their own ambitions. So this film does actually represent exactly what we're talking about today on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, which is about voice. And we thank you for coming in and talking to us about it. Where can people find out more about this event that's coming up on November 9th? Yap.org, Y-A-A-P-P.org. We also set up an event um, page on Facebook the Young Adult Abuse Prevention Program. So people can go on the Facebook page or we will refer them to your website via the drlisa.org website. Very good. Thanks for coming in. Thanks a lot. Each week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we read from my bountiful blog. As I've said before on the show, I began this blog in 2008 as a means of feeding myself physically and moved on to feeding myself emotionally and spiritually through writing in this blog. What I also found is that this blog has given me a voice. It has enabled me to speak my piece. 
which, as I said at the beginning of the show, is very important. This blog is called Finding Voice and was initially written on July 14th, 2011. When we lose our voice physically, that fact is plain. A touch of laryngitis and we're forced into a state of semi-whisper, working hard so that others might hear us. When we lose our voice metaphorically, others may not realize it at all until one day we start talking again. At that point, it can be painfully loud or at least loud by comparison. Then people are startled. Our newfound voice isn't always welcomed. It can be hard for others to want to hear. But sometimes others are more than willing to hear us. We just need to find the right audience. Then, gaining strength from an appreciative audience, we are able to use our voice anywhere, at any time, even if our voice dances uncomfortably in the ears of those around us. If we have the strength to keep using our voice, we may have the chance to use it as a tool with which we may help others, perhaps others who have no voice, or perhaps others whose voices are not like ours. Our voice, after all, is part of who we are. Our voice is our gift. As we fine-tune our voice, the fact of this gift may become clear. We may use our voice in song or in poetry. We may use our voice in defense of the voiceless. We may use our voice in praise or adulation. Then, our voice is not merely a means by which we communicate. It is an instrument through which the breath of the world might flow. Our voice is not merely ours. It is the voice of many. It is the voice of the life spirit. And as such, it must be allowed to find its way from the depths of our physical bodies so that we may be heard so that we may join in the glorious cacophony and madness and joy created by the voices of our fellow man, so that our words may be welcomed back into the world. This blog post and others like it may be found on bountiful-blog.com. This week on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we address the theme of voice. I feel strongly that the work we're doing with the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is giving a voice not only to those who come on the program, but to those who are listening and perhaps hoping to find an inspiration to create their own voices in their lives. Today we talked with Major General Bill Libby and Chaplain Andy Gibson of the Maine National Guard, who spoke about giving voices back to the soldiers who are returning from overseas. We also spoke with musician and local event promoter Spencer Albee, who discussed the importance of knowing one's own voice and using it with joy. Finally, we had a special featured give back, which had two different guests, Delia Gorham of the League of Young Voters and Carlin Whitehouse of the Young Adult Abuse Prevention Program, each of whom spoke about the importance of finding one's voice and using it in the world. We hope that this show will inspire you to find your own voice and perhaps listen more carefully to the voices of others. The individuals and events discussed on this show can be found on the Dr. Lisa website, which is doctorlisa.org. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope that you join us again next week. Thank you also for being a part of our world. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible by the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine. Tom Shepard of Hersey, Gardner, Shepard, and Eaton. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage. Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney. Whole Foods Market. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. And Akari. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded in downtown Portland at the offices of Maine Magazine on 75 Market Street. It is produced by Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Editorial content produced by Chris Cast and Genevieve Morgan. Audio production and original music by John McCain. For more information on our hosts, production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us online at drlisa.org and tune in every Sunday at 11 a.m. for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour on WLOB, Portland, Maine, 1310 a.m., or streaming wlobradio.com. 
Podcasts are now available at drlisa.org.